the context of this season, actually, you know, everyone in, in here is excited about baseball, excited about watching a big four sport um, for the first time in a long time. But the context and background of how this came about actually paints a pretty dire picture from the league at large. That's Jesse Doherty, Washington Nationals reporter for the Washington Post. On Thursday night, the reigning champs will finally get to defend their crown when they get the season underway at home to the New York Yankees on opening night. This season will be unlike any you've seen before, but let's just be grateful we've got MLB at all, shall we? I'm Anthony Wilson, and this is the Transatlantic Sports Show. Hi, Jesse. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, good, man. Even better. We're finally we're on the cusp of the Major League Baseball season, something that we thought wouldn't happen a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, there's there was certainly doubt uh, over the last month, uh, certainly doubt I felt for sure about whether this season could get off the ground. But, uh, you know, we've seen in the last couple of weeks that coronavirus testing numbers across the league have, have actually been pretty suppressed and, and, and it's been pretty safe. The, the complication now is, is with travel city, between cities. So I think it definitely gets harder from here. But in terms of actually getting to the doorstep of the of opening day and now and now getting to play some baseball, uh, the league was certainly able to make that happen. And and at least for, you know, one game, two games a week, two weeks, uh, they're going to play baseball here in the U.S. Yeah, which is pretty awesome indeed. Let's just start from the beginning then. Obviously, we were expecting opening day a little earlier this year towards the end of March. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because obviously COVID happened. But why is it taking so long for the MLB and the players to finally agree to play. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a huge saga. In order to get this restart plan off the ground, first the players' union and the league had to agree on a salary structure and a lot of labor issues that proved contentious. And those two sides will have a CBA negotiation coming up in 2021. And this almost felt like the precursor for it because of the rework structure of the season, um, how guys were going to get paid, what their prorated salaries will look like, what some of the roster rules would look like, um, on-field rules even, was a major concern for both parties. And there actually was an agreement in late March around what would have been the original opening day. But then in midsummer, when it would clear that there would not be fans in ballparks, the owners, uh, you know, they, they went back on that deal and said, we made the initial agreement assuming we'd have fans. Now that it's very clear that we won't, we need you to make more salary concessions. That kickstarted another month of negotiations. Uh, you know, if you followed them closely, you maybe wouldn't call them negotiations at all. In, in some ways, it felt like the sides were just trading the same offer back and forth to try and see who would blink first. And ultimately, the players did not agree on the season. They, they left it up to the commissioner to mandate a 60-game schedule uh, that left them the ability to now file a, a grievance that could be for up to a billion dollars for not negotiating in good faith. So the context of this season, actually, you know, everyone in, in here is excited about baseball, excited about watching a, a team sport, uh, a big, a, I should say a big four sport um, for the first time in a long time. But the context and background of how this came about actually paints a pretty dire picture for the league at large. Over here, we've got four professional soccer leagues as you would call it so we've got the premier league and then we've got the uh, english football leagues we've got the championship league one and league two so we've got our different structures across the professional football spectrum uh, on this side of the pond over there in baseball you've got the major league but then below that you've got the minor leagues and this gets into the real heartland of america but these minor leagues are also feeling the brunt of this aren't they Absolutely. There's no minor league season this year. And, 
you know, based on the reworked rules for this season, teams can carry a maximum 60 players. And typically in a given year, you have your, you know, 25, it would have been 26 this season on the major league roster. And then you have a bunch of affiliates, you know, you have your triple A, double A, single A, uh, short season, single A, rookie league. Uh, you know, you have a bunch of different affiliates and, and a ton of players this year that's trimmed down to 60. And then the rest of those guys have kind of been left to work out on their own. Uh, they're, they're getting paid a pretty marginal amount until the beginning of September. And then they'll be sent into the off season, having just kind of scrounged about all summer trying to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, guys are looking at independent leagues. Guys are looking at, you know, other options. But for the most part, you know, it's just um, it's really tough. And the minor leagues were hit really hard for this. There's going to be some contraction likely in 2021. And, and this seems like a, a really logical step toward that, which is sad. So some some small towns will lose their teams most likely. And and uh, it's just not a good time for that state for, for that section of the game as well. Yeah, pretty harsh indeed. You know, these are guys who are trying to make a living. They're trying to live their dream and hopefully show their worth and the value and then step up into the major league, but they're not going to have that opportunity this year. And I guess to put a bit of perspective into things, lots of people listening may not know the structure of minor league baseball, but they will have watched the last dance and seen Michael Jordan playing right. baseball for a ma- uh, sorry for a minor league team. That wouldn't have happened. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a, you know, it's uh, an opportunity thing for sure. And a lot of those guys, you know, the teams know they're sort of, crop of players they're really excited about the top prospects so to speak and those guys are typically being carried on these 60-man rosters but what the minor leagues affords is the opportunity for a guy maybe who was wasn't drafted so high isn't necessarily a prospect isn't necessarily on everyone's radar he can have a great summer you know in the carolina league he can have a great summer out in the pacific league and it's it's um it's tough it's a tough it's a tough life it's a lot of bus rides low pay it's you know, it's a lot of uncertainty year to year, but it does afford you that chance. Why, you know, because it's interesting to think like, you know, we have careers that we can do for 60 years, you know, whatever it may be. We can do it from the time we leave college to the time we retire or even beyond that. Uh, these guys, their sort of life cycle of being an athlete is between, you know, 18 and 35. Mm. So the the window isn't that big. And when you think about losing a year of that development and potentially getting chased out of the game for the sole purpose that you know the virus made it impossible for there to be a minor league season it's pretty sad and it's 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 tough for a lot of guys look let's look on the uh, on the, the bright side and we've got major league baseball we're on the cusp of it it's like a lot of sport it's sport but not as we know it i watched um one of the exhibition games earlier this week between toronto and the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. And it was an empty Fenway Park. And lo and behold, before at the start as well, to make matters a bit worse, well, maybe that's a bit harsh, but you know, just to make it uh, a little bit different, uh, the, there was uh, an issue with the sound. So there's no commentary. So you're watching <laughs> this baseball game at an empty Fenway Park between the Jays and the Red Sox. And there's, there's no commentary there. And it, it is, it's just completely different. I guess we're going to obviously get used to it. We got used to it with the Premier League and the Bundesliga and La Liga and all that. But it is. It's going to be different for fans. Yeah, absolutely it is. And I think, you know, on TV, you could probably, you know, just focus on the game. And if they, and if they nail down the artificial crowd noise, it could feel pretty normal. The weird thing being in the park is that everything around it is so different. No one in the stands. There's extra seating areas. There's, got, you know, guys in masks in the dugout. And uh, it just is kind of an eerie feeling being inside the ballpark, as I have been. So I think on TV is the one way to watch the game where you can kind of maybe you know, push it out of your head because mm. the camera angle is pretty tight. You can watch the game pretty narrowly focused. But you're right. If you really think about it or if the sound feels a little weird and hollow, 
there's certainly a reason for that. So um, it's definitely it's definitely going to be weird. Definitely going to be weird. And it's going to be a much shorter season, a 60-game sprint to the postseason. Just to explain the format to people tuning in who's wanting to get an understanding of how things are going to be over the next few months. Yeah, so 60 games, um, unlike the NBA and NHL, which have sort of delineated bubbles, um, as they're calling it, where they've sort of housed the whole league in specific locations, baseball will have regional travel. So teams will be traveling uh, like the Nationals, the team I cover, their farthest trip is to Miami. Uh, other teams will do a lot of driving trips, bus trips uh, between sort of regional sites. And uh, and that's going to create complications, obviously, with, with um, curbing the spread of the potential spread of the virus. Uh, but like you said, baseball so typically uh, described as a, as a marathon, you know, 162 games. And it's a sort of a war of attrition. And, and the team that sort of stays the most durable is is has good of a chance to win as the team that's the most talented. It's, it's It takes a mix of both. Uh, this year it's going to be so different. And in a lot of ways, I think it's fun. I mean, I think if you're a fan and you love the traditional model, uh, you'll get that back soon, hopefully. And I think it'd be prudent to sort of just embrace this new format and, and find some fun in it because the fact that teams are sprinting to the finish, that every game from the beginning is is so important and has so much weight on it, uh, that's a different scenario for baseball. It kind of reminds me in the U.S. of like a college football model where you only have 14 games to make the playoff and you have to win every week. And uh, baseball is not quite that dire night to night. But, you know, if you go on a three, four, five game losing streak, you're really setting yourself back. Whereas in a given season, if you do that in July or, you know, even May or, or April, you have a time to course correct. So without that time to course correct this year, it could be really interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see if there's going to be some maybe less talented teams or, you know, worse teams, so to speak, that make a run and make a surprise push just because the schedule is so truncated. My guest right now is Jesse Doherty's reporter for the Washington Nationals at the Washington Post. And speaking of the Nats, they finished their exhibitions earlier in the week with a win against Baltimore. That was on Tuesday. And you talk about slow start. They got off to a slow start, a notoriously slow start last year. They can't do that this time around, can they? They're the reigning champions, let's not forget. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they can't. I mean, last year the Nationals famously or infamously started 19-31 and in the first 50 games. And Obviously, this season, if you do that, you're you're way out of it because now you only have ten games left to, to figure it out. So uh, it, it it just shows you that there it is a little bit of a wacky season in the sense that we're not sure if it can rightfully crown who the best team is because, like you said, last year's world champion through fifty games was one of the worst teams in baseball. But uh, that's that's what could make it fun too. It could be a it's gonna be a year unlike any other. Their first road trip is going to be against the Blue Jays, but it's not going to be in Toronto because the Canadian government haven't allowed the Blue Jays to play in Canada, in Toronto. So do we know where the Nats will be going on their first road trip, where the Blue Jays are going to be playing their games this year? So we don't know where the Nats will go. We do. There have been reports um, from Tuesday night into Wednesday morning of the Blue Jays playing their home games in Pittsburgh this year. And that was one of the options they were kicking around. Now, on top of that, the the Pirates play at home next week in the same game, in the same time that the Nationals were scheduled to go to face the Blue Jays. But what they could potentially do, and this is more speculation, is that uh, they could just stay at Nationals Park because earlier in the week uh, they will play on Monday and Tuesday in Washington. So instead of moving that site to Pittsburgh, they could just make the Blue Jays the de facto home team have them bat second and just play the, uh, the next games in Washington so everybody stays put. That, to me, seems like the most logical situation, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, crazy indeed. And, you know, you've had all this this planning in the in the process as well. And, obviously, it's a crazy world. We've got this virus that we've got to deal with. And there yeah. it is, quite matter of fact, that Canadian government intervenes and says, like, look, you can't play your games here because of this virus. Yeah, yep, it's true. And, you know, it's interesting that the Canadian government took that stand and, 
The U.S. government obviously has 29 teams to deal with and not one, so it would have been harder to make that stand. But it does maybe point to some, uh, you know, national priorities between the two countries and, and uh, you know, how, how we in the U.S. sort of view sports and our culture is is sometimes a little wacky and maybe problematic in a way. So uh, I think certainly all those questions are coming to light and, uh, and we'll see, but we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, you've got the MLS bubble in Orlando, the NBA bubble. We've got the NBA season tipping off next week and then the NHL they've actually moved up to Canada you've got your two bubbles haven't you in Toronto and in Edmonton so for baseball to be happening like it is the NFL are going to have a very close eye on this you think yeah absolutely and I think it's probably a more practical model for the NFL I mean I think the the best way to do this is bubble cities but um and the NBA is proving to really make it effective but i think football there's so many more people and yeah you have to find a city that will want to accommodate you and you want to define facilities which is really hard to do in football because you just need more space so i'd say the baseball model probably is the model the nfl is would key on it just is it's the more practical uh direction here uh but i'm not sure you know I, i'm I, it's we're so far away from that we don't know what the country will look like then but uh, it's it's interesting. I, I think the NFL will have three teams to look at and how they do it, but the baseball model seems to be the one they can execute the most. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Jesse Doherty, you're the reporter on the Washington Nationals for the Washington Post. How good can this Nationals teams be as reigning champions in 2020 in this short season? Yeah, I mean, I think they're really talented. And, I, and I, you know, the, what the Nationals were really good at last year was pitching. And I think in this in this schedule, if you can get two or three of your starters to get hot, um, you could be really effective. And that's something that like that, that's, that was their backbone last year. And they even added their bullpen, added to their bullpen and fortified it more so. So, you know, they returned Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, and Anibal Sanchez as their top four starters, which is, you know, arguably the best rotation in the league. So, I mean, I think pitching will win in this format. I think anytime mm. you have a tight window, um, you'd rather be a good pitching team than a good hitting team. Obviously, the best case is being both. You see that with, you know, the Dodgers, Yankees, Astros are really well balanced in that regard. Um, but the Nationals, maybe their offense took a bit of a hit when Anthony Rendon left. But from the rotation standpoint, they're as good as anyone, and I think that gives you a fighting chance in the season. That sign stealing uh, saga seems like long lost uh, history now, doesn't it? After what's happened it this does. year, it does. It does. It's, it's funny you say that. Like the Astros were in for a lot of hurt this year, a lot of uh, jeering from, you know, opposing crowds. But now with a uh, you know, with fanless games, it's, they kind of get off the hook a little bit. So that's a, that's a kind of a funny subplot of all this. And if anybody wins, and I would argue nobody does because <laughs> the country's in turmoil and no one wanted to play this way, but the Astros maybe get a little bit of reprieve from what was coming to them. So are they up there amongst the favorites, in your opinion? Who would you put on either side to be challenging in uh, the respective conferences this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the Astros are certainly in the mix. Um, the Yankees, again, are a really good team. Tampa Bay Rays are, are really talented. And then on the NL side, I think it's um, not as strong as the AL this year, but if you have the Dodgers, I think, would be front runners, And then behind them, um, in no particular order, similar to last year's playoff teams, I would put, I would put the Nationals, Cardinals, Braves, um, maybe the Mets is an outside team in the mix. I know people are high on uh, the White Sox and, and Reds to be kind of teams that take the next step and potentially make use of this short season. Um, but, you know, it's it, again, it's like, you know, will we see something really wacky where a team no one saw coming makes a big run because of the short schedule? I don't know. But those are just some of the teams that even in a normal year, I would have pegged this as being in the mix. Yeah, it'd be ironic, wouldn't it, if one of those teams do come through and win when you've got the Dodgers who invested so much this offseason. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, adding Mookie Betts 
that one of the best players in baseball makes you significantly better. So uh, we'll see if that pays off. Yeah, well, look, Jesse Doherty, it's going to be fun, whatever happens. And, you know, stay safe when you're out there reporting. And no doubt we'll get you back on the show at some point throughout the season. Unfortunately, this year, we missed out on seeing the Cardinals and Cubs coming to London. Hopefully, we'll get uh, some London series next year. Yeah, yeah, I would hope so. I'm, I keep hoping the Nationals get that game so I can come over. I haven't, I haven't been, so uh, I'll, I'll keep crossing my fingers for that. Hey, look, we'll welcome you with open arms. All right, thanks so much. My thanks to Jesse Doherty. He is the Washington Nationals reporter for the Washington Post, reigning champions, getting things underway on Thursday night, opening night for the MLB season, hosting the New York Yankees of all teams. And then we'll see where they play in their road game. It sounds like they might be at home at National Park against the Toronto Blue Jays. Interesting situation regarding the Blue Jays with the Canadian government confirming last weekend that they will not allow the Blue Jays to play any of their home games in Toronto or indeed in Canada. It's certainly a very tricky situation out there. And I think, as I mentioned to Jesse, the NFL will have a close eye on how things operate for the MLB because the other leagues they've got their bubbles set up so ironic there that the Canadian government aren't allowing teams to travel back and forth to and from Canada to play the Toronto Blue Jays but we have the NHL teams and they start on the 1st of August and they've got the two bubble cities got the Western Conference over in Edmonton and the Eastern Conference in Toronto we'll bring you up to speed on that in the coming weeks Stick around this week because we've got a very special guest lined up for you on Friday. I'm going to be joined by the BBC pundit Jason Bell. That's right, the big man of OC and Jason. We got Jason back on the show. I spoke to him in London last year and he's great. The guy is just so full of energy. You know that, which is why him and OC have so much love from fans over here so looking forward to having jason on the show we're going to ramp up the podcasts over the next few weeks so make sure you subscribe to the transatlantic sports show with your podcast provider followers on twitter at t-a-s-s underscore uk and we'll keep you up to date on the guests that we've got coming and the topics that we're going to be discussing but because we're the transatlantic sports show we're going to do three pods a week we'll have one on baseball one on basketball and one on the NFL because we've got the baseball season starting this week and then next week the basketball tips off in Orlando and then of course we'll cover various sports such as the NHL and we'll have all the NFL talk which is what we've been predominantly since we launched but we cover the breadth of North American sports so thank you so much for listening tell your friends and tell their friends and give us a five star rating and hit subscribe this is the Transatlantic Sports Show. I'm Anthony Wooten. You follow me on Twitter at A-R Wooten. That's W-O-O-T-T-O-N. We're going to be on Instagram soon as well. We're going to get some competition prizes up for you. Would you like that? Yeah, I thought you would. Okay, so stick around. Make sure you follow us on social media. Until next time, when my big guest is Jason Bell. Jason Bell.